Welcome to Taking a Stand, POV Marketing Podcast, where we talk about how companies compete on a point of view. Product-based differentiation is going away, so companies need to stand for something and build a narrative around it. I'm your host, Pep Lyon, CEO of Twinter. Special thanks to Sharebird for producing this podcast. For more product marketing resources, go to sharebird.com. Next up, Julian Sauvage, VP of Product Marketing at Gong. Gong is taking a stand against opinions. Their vision is a world with no more guesswork, no hunches, no gut feelings, just reality. Julian, tell me about Gong. Gong is the leading revenue intelligence platform. What we do is we basically help revenue teams win more markets, win more customers by giving them a reality view into what's happening in their sales conversations. That's what we do. Okay, and that reality view, I've been seeing that message everywhere. And and also when people ask about a good example of who's a company really good at telling their narrative, Gong is always up there. So can you tell me a little bit about the origin of that narrative and how it came to be? And also then how are you telling that story? Yeah, of course. I love those questions. I think it kind of really started like back in the days the inception of the company was our CEO was running sales for his previous company and they had what they called a quarter in hell or of hell or something like that. And it was one of those where they were not closing business and they were trying to find root causes and running some BI and some dashboards and still really couldn't get a hold of why. Why are we not closing as much this quarter? And then it was a bit of a light bulb or aha moment for him where he realized that a lot of what's happening in those kind of frontline conversations, like the actual calls or Zoom calls between the prospect or the buyer and the seller would never make it to CRM, right? So like 90% of the interactions between the buyer and the seller would actually not be reported back on. And I I think that aha moment was kind of what prompted him to go and create Gong in the first place, where you're now able to, of course, do the recording of all the interactions and then use AI on top of it to analyze the key moments and get those insights, something that was not done before. Yes, to your question, BI has been around for longer than it would it wishes to admit 30 years or something, but BI has always been about static data, has always been about structured data, like sales progression or pipeline stuff or like closed, lost or won deals, never about like the interaction, the conversation between somebody and his or her prospects. So I think that's the new piece of it. So the story of Gong is like out with the opinions and uh, yes to reality, as you say, which, you know, the data, what's actually happening. There's some sort of a, is that like an archetypal new versus old story or how are you guys thinking about the story on the inside? Yeah, the story, any good story, I mean, it's better than I do and better than anyone else. A good story always has that contrast, right? It has like the transformation story. You're moving away from something. It's the good old like why and why now. So I think for us, we tried to bring some of that contrast and some of the legacy versus new world kind of like contrast with exactly this. Old world relies on your own opinions, uh, gut feels, you don't know what's happening. All you have is like a pretty dashboard in a CRM 
but by the time you get that data, it's too late versus the new world where revenue teams, modern revenue teams would use something like revenue intelligence to know what's happening before it's too late. So we use a lot of that contrast in, I guess, in any piece of messaging that we, we have at the very top, opinion, no opinions, just reality. But then even in the kind of the pyramid, if you will, in the hierarchy, you would have a lot of like, uh, you think you're doing this, you're wrong. We analyzed the data from thousands of calls and this is what you should do. So we try to play a lot with, I guess, with that contrast of old legacy versus new modern reality kind of thing. Are you calling the people, the companies that embrace it new? Are you, are you giving them a name? Are you calling them something? Like your clients who have embraced the, the new way of doing revenue. Yeah. Yeah. We call our, the Gong customers, we call them the raving fans. Raving fans, I think comes from, it's a very consumer kind of lingo in a way. It comes from the fact that people really get hooked with, with Gong. We have crazy CSAT NPS scores. It's like as high as the iPhone kind of NPS, if you will, which is really rare for B2B SaaS companies and products. So that's how we call them the raving fans. And then we have within that where I think that's how we use it even publicly. We talk about that uh, even on LinkedIn or any channel. If we have a post to say thank our customers for their vote of confidence, we would like talk about thank you raving fans. So it's kind of our brand for the Gong users and customers for sure. Who is Gong saying no to? So you guys are like the, the contrast between new and old and uh, you're trying to attract a certain type of customer. So who is the type of customer that you are trying to repel? Who are you saying no to? To customer, it's hard to say no, but you have to start saying no to certain people so that you can say yes to others, right? It's a prioritization exercise. I think for us, we start mostly with tech companies, right? Like people running their businesses, their B2B businesses using CRM. That's kind of the core ICP, if you will. And then we, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, before my time, I joined six months ago, we started expanding that to kind of like the cousins of tech. So we started getting a really good traction and success with telecom operators or financial services institutions, things like that. So I think we started by saying yes to mostly the tech innovators. And now we're kind of crossing the chasm. We have, we're becoming more mainstream with companies that are not just like the Google and the Amazons and the tech players of the world. But of course, if you don't have a CRM system in place, or if you're against recording calls, which is very rare, a lot of people end up giving us consent, then that would be a barrier to, to adoption. So that's why we started with the innovators and now we're going main, mainstream. So as we discussed earlier, Gong is famous for its story. So you guys have done a pretty good job letting the market know about it. And Kong is, is about 500 people or so. How do you make sure that everybody tells the exact same story? Yes, that's a great question. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. I think you have to be really disciplined and that's what we are, right? We want to make sure that we tell the same story across externally, across the channels, and also internally. And we really make sure people know 
how to tell that story. Even somebody in finance or any back office person, somebody who's not necessarily customer facing, we want that person to stay on message. And I think it starts with simplicity of the message and consistency of the message. Simplicity means a good message is a simple one, like no opinions, a yes to reality. That's a simple enough message, right? And so it'll make it easier to stick in people's minds. And then the consistency, I think, is really driven by, again, a lot of discipline in our messaging framework. Like we have that kind of messaging hierarchy or pyramid with top of the funnel, like top level branding messaging, and then the pillars, the mission statement, the value statement, the value props, and then the product value props, like everything's really well architected. And then it becomes an enablement exercise, right? So the way we do it is we enable everybody at Gong. We're going to be soon kicking off a formal certification process so that everybody, again, no matter if they're customer facing or not, will have to learn the pitch and the basics of the messaging, and that will get certified by doing some kind of stand and deliver. So I think good messaging starts with a simple messaging and then a consistent messaging with the enablement that comes with it. Where does this messaging live? So if I'm an employee of Gong, where do I access it? And so that's one question. And the second question would be, how often is this talked about in like meetings or like just because the document is somewhere doesn't mean like people access it or read it. So how is this being wished? Yep. So it's a single document, right? It's kind of a long document, but it's the standard. It has all the things I described from top level to more tactical messaging. People get access to it via our own enablement or learning management platform that we use. And to your second question, I think enablement is, again, the way we train these people, like the people on that messaging kind of framework and manifesto. It doesn't have to be, I think if you train people on like everything at once, they just tend to get really overwhelmed and they forget, right? So what we did, for example, last month is we took second level messaging, like the solution messaging. So it's a little more producty, which we call use cases, right? So it's like gong for coaching or gong for deal execution. We broke that down into decks and demos and some messaging nuggets, and we enabled the field on those. If you enable everybody in every level of your messaging, that's not going to stick. So. We did that, uh, and that was successful because then people could see an immediate way to apply that piece of messaging when they take a sales call or whatever. And then the beauty of it is that we actually use Gong to track the adoption of the messaging. We have, because our own Gong calls are recorded in our own instance of Gong, right? And so we're able to, at any point in time, know how many say last week's sales calls were featuring the new use case messaging. And if the adoption rate is at 60%, when the target is at, say, 80%, then we know what to do and we know which rep is not using the new messaging. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think the key to success here is once you have that big ugly messaging, comprehensive messaging doc is like, find some pieces that people can use and apply, make those a training a given month, 
and then track adoption and reinforce adoption using something like the Gong platform itself. So that creates kind of an accountability loop where people know they're being tracked. And if they don't mention it, you're going to be found out. So increases the motivation, I guess. Yeah. We don't really like the wall of shame or whatever kind of stuff, but it's more like we would do the opposite. We would more like celebrate the AEs and the reps and the CSMs who have been using messaging in a good, successful way. We would like make them look good and show them on like the wall of fame, not the wall of shame kind of thing. So it's more the way we do it, celebrating the wins, not pointing fingers. How has Gong's messaging and narrative evolved over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say it hasn't evolved as much, which I think is a great sign of good messaging. I don't think messaging should change every other year. Like a good messaging or a good narrative should really stand the test of time. Like that one idea that you had, you can tweak it a bit. It can evolve with like what's happening in the world, but essentially the narrative kind of remains the same. And and it's been the case for us. We really started with that quarter in hell story that I mentioned, and we've remained very close to it. It still works. Now, I will say last year, COVID, I think did, it didn't change the narrative, but it did put a little more emphasis on certain sub-themes like the remote work, for example, or the hybrid selling or the virtual selling kind of aspects of our narrative would be a little more highlighted, like they would be a little pushed to the spotlight. But the core story has remained the same. And I love that. I think any good story, again, remains unchanged for years. How do you balance in your sales emails and social media, LinkedIn and elsewhere, and then you have your sales reps, how do you balance telling the story versus being, I'd say, feature focused, like this is like, we can do this and this and this. Is there other guidelines in place, some guardrails? How is that organized? Yeah, it's a good question. I think even if you're down to a tactical discussion in like a late stage of your sales cycle or even post sales, like a CSM is walking a customer through some of the, the technical stuff. I still think I'm very passionate about you can still tell the same story. It's not because you're so advanced in your pipe or post sales that you should not be telling a story. I do think that there's always a way to hit the key points that you have at the top level of your of your narrative, right? And that's how we do it. Like last month, we had a launch event. We were launching new exciting capabilities for our deal module of Gong is essentially giving you a single source of truth of your pipeline where you can spot risks and warnings and what to do next. So FLMs, frontline managers, sales leaders, sales reps, they love it. So we were launching new capabilities there. And so mostly the audience for that launch event was in pipeline prospects and existing accounts. So it's really like you're talking to people who know Gong already and you want to talk, it's a little more producty. But still, we always, always would kind of ladder up our messaging to the top level messaging. There's never enough repetition reinforcement 
of that of that messaging of that strategic narrative even when you talk about product bits and bits and pieces so we really believe that anybody should always kind of tell the story in his or her own way but it's not because you are talking product that you should move away from the main company narrative gong is also a famous example for category creation revenue intelligence and if you go by textbook you say then it says that you need other players in the category to be a category so what is gong doing to facilitate basically fostering your competition that there are other players playing in this ecosystem yeah i love the question we're not doing anything actively we welcome competitors but it's not like we're going to we're going to spoon feed them with messaging or ideas i think it's just a market exists if there's a need and i think new entrants newcomers see the product market fit of gong or of revenue intelligence and that's why they enter that market so it's organic they see the success they read the testimonials they see the ROI stats and all the value statements and they're like oh yeah there's something there something untapped so i'm going to enter that market it kind of happens organically i guess but yeah for us we work we use the all the tactics and all the tools to make revenue intelligence a, a space to make revenue intelligence a thing we have our own events about it where we don't really talk about product and gong as much it's more a celebration or a reunion of modern revenue leaders and CROs we do of course things with Forrester and Gartner and the analyst firms to kind of further validate with that third party voice validate revenue intelligence as a market on its own and as i said the devils in the details it's all about the proof points it's all about the customer stories that we put out there the value statements all the things that show that this thing is not made up it's real and customers raving fans are having fun and success with it so i hope that answers the question yeah so for now gong maintains innovation advantage you guys do many things that nobody else is doing you have a strong narrative and everybody else needs to differentiate from you which is the beauty of being a category leader but hungry competitors are coming but they may, might not be here today but maybe 5 years from now 10 years from now so what kind of moats defensive barriers is gong build actively building Yeah, I think we're still put, it's going to be such a cliche answer. I, I apologize, but we never rest on our product laurels. Like we always push the innovation further. There's at least two really big items coming up in the roadmap that I cannot disclose because we haven't launched yet that I think will still will further establish Gong as like the pioneer the, the blazer, the trailblazer of revenue intelligence with kind of new awesome ideas and things that we built on top of the platform. So product innovation is still extremely big for us, a really big area of, of investment. That's one. The other kind of ways we tackle more tactically, we tackle the threats and the competition would be internally we have dedicated competitive intelligence people, like people on my team, on the PMM team looking at the market using 
competitive intelligence platforms to really watch what's happening, what are the trends, what are the new entrants, the newcomers, what's happening in terms of their product launches, so that we're always, always on top of the game. Like we know we get a pulse of the market and we get a pulse of the competitors. And then we synthesize that. We have battle cards we send to AEs. We have more like exec reports we write up and we serve to our C-level execs. So I feel like we were at the tactical level, we're doing a really good job in staying ahead of the market and what the competitors are doing. That's a little more tactical. Yeah, so also tell me how you know, there's brand, there's positioning, and there's messaging. How are all those things at Gong playing together? They're playing really well. I think that's one of the secret sauces of Gong, right? First off, we're big, but we're not big enough so that we're completely siloed and everyone is doing one thing at a time. The marketing team is still very connected, I will say. So I think that helps a lot. We do have a director of brand. I own messaging and we all report to the same CMO, Udi. At a high level, we work the brand and PMM. We worked and Udi, the CMO, we work together on that top level narrative. Like if there's any mission statement, value statement, any refresh that needs to happen there, this is done in collaboration. And then, so it starts there, like MVV type stuff, mission, vision, value type of statements. Then we still work together on the key messages that go with that. And then that's where it splits in a way, where PMM owns messaging and positioning and all the narratives and all the sales decks and the demo flows and the narratives when the brand people would own the visual identity of Gong with all the designs and all the assets that go there. So high level, we work very symbiotically together on the top level. And then when it gets into the words, it's PMM. When it gets into the visual identity, it's brand. That's kind of how we divide and conquer. I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but it seems like it's working so far. So I don't know how, what you guys have done really to become number one case study or example for a lot of things, strategic narrative and category creation. And Gong is like the prime example. So when you're telling your own story of those things, which channels are working the best for you to tell your stories? Yeah, LinkedIn is for sure the number one channel for us. I think there is something to be said about occupying many channels, but then at the risk of being a little like spread thin or like doubling down on one, two channels, but then of course you might lose audiences you would find on other channels. So, and that risk, that balance is a hard one to strike for any company, right? How broad versus narrow can you go? For us, we've always been extremely focused. And if anything, like I joined six months ago, I've never seen a company with so much focus. Like focused is the one word that comes to my mind always at, within any department, in sales and in marketing and in post-sales and in R&D, in product, anywhere. So because of that focus, what we did is, okay, well, we have a very defined target buyer, the CRO, the VP of sales, we land with sales, then sometimes we expand to post sales, but sales is where we mostly land. And so where do these people live? 
they live in LinkedIn because that's their job. They connecting with people and prospects and they stalk people and whatever. So LinkedIn is the channel of choice for us. And that's where we really put all our wood behind the LinkedIn arrow. We have daily or even more than daily LinkedIn posts. That's where we post the great Gong Labs, which is the more data-driven, like research aspect, more top of the funnel. If we were to promote the launch event like we did last month, the promotion would happen with a nice promo video. We post that on LinkedIn as well. So LinkedIn is really the channel of choice for us. That's because of our target buyer. And I would say I would really give the advice to anybody, like starting with their product, with their company, like think about such a, a duh statement, but like think about who your audience is and where they live and use that as the channel of choice. And then you can expand and think about other channels, but you have to nail that one channel where your buyer lives for sure. And my last question is, so today it seems like everything is going so smoothly for Gong. But over the years, when it comes to your positioning, storytelling, all those things, what has been the hardest part? What has been the hardest part in the past? Yeah, I've only been here six months. So I also want to say I'm not taking all the credit. It was working extremely well when I joined and still is today. So this is like a team thing for sure. I would say for us, it really is about the awareness of the category, as we mentioned, right? Revenue intelligence works extremely well. But it's not something that a CRO loses sleep over with. Like the CRO is all about like the pains and like, okay, how can I make my revenue more predictable and how can I not miss my next quarter? So I think connecting the pain of the CROs of any industry to the solution that revenue intelligence can bring is still the thing that needs work. And I will say it's a never ending battle in a way, or it's not a battle per se, it's a game, but like amping up the category itself and really showing revenue intelligence as a complete must have is still something that is very top of mind for us. And we have exciting assets and programs and tactics in place to keep upping the game of revenue intelligence, but that would be the one nuts that we still need to work on cracking. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me.